0: Welcome to the show, everyone. I am happy and super excited to have Erica Hanson Brown as our guest today. She's founding mayor of Town, which is where I found my colorectal cancer peeps. She is also CEO and co founder of Paltown, which is the nonprofit that built Colon Town, overseas Colon Town, and they are also building other communities for different diseases and conditions. I'm happy to have Kellen Wellborn as co-pilot today. So Kellen, just before we get to Erica, checking in real quick, it was a big day today in the Maxwell household because this morning, Sarah, it, it's like day 4,542 of quarantine. Right? Yeah, I've
1: stopped counting. Right.
0: We have no idea what's going on. I don't know what month that is. But this morning, it was a big moment because Sarah trimmed my eyebrows.
1: Nice. You know, it is one of the things that if we don't look ourselves in the mirror enough, nobody else is going (laughs) to...
0: Well, right. So she's like, you look like... And I'm very... I kind of want to be a Scottish Highlander, right? Like from the 1500s. But she's like, you look like that person now. So we need to get this under control. Well, and
1: she wants you to be able to see. I mean, (laughs) it really... (laughs)
0: That's true. I it's put like on a sheep my sheepdog.
1: It's like a sheepdog that you need to be able to see. So
0: <laughs> I put on my sunglasses and they were interfering nice. with the glasses, so nice. it was time.
1: You've reached that age where eyebrows have started to just start growing south. Okay. Right.
0: Erica, Erica Hansen Brown, welcome to the show. So Man Up to Cancer would not exist without Erica. She has been a tremendous friend and mentor to me. I've learned so much about what it means to be a patient activist. Building community, supporting people remotely, which is of course so important right now. So welcome to the podcast, Erica.
2: Thank you, T Max. I'm going to call you T Max because as you well know, we have <laughs> a bunch of Trevor's in Colentown, but two really important ones, and <laughs> you're one of the two most important ones. So I have dubbed you T Max for all practical oh. purposes. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this show. I'm I am so pleased and so proud. Of all the work that you're doing, and I'm so happy that you have people like Kellen to help you produce this great show, fun show. And I'm honored to be invited to perform
1: today on your podcast. Oh, do you do more than talk? Is there a tap I, dancing number? I even told <laughs>
2: D-Max that I would wash my hair for the occasion, so
0: here I am. Let me jump in real quick and say that, so for those who are just learning about Town. Town essentially is an online community created and operated entirely by colorectal cancer patients, survivors, and caregivers. Erica founded it in 2011. There are now more than 5,000 members worldwide, and as the t-shirt attests, I am proud to be one of them.
2: And did you know that it was launched as a secret yes, group thank you. called Colontown in early March of 2011, and it has been solid, steady growth ever since with... Totally engaged participants, and uh, we have a life in Colontown, and we live it in Colon town.
0: Yeah, so I did not get involved in Colontown until kind of well into my experience with cancer. It was more than a year into it. I'd heard a little bit about this group, Town, that was out there, but I hadn't engaged with it. And then last fall, I joined Town. I started engaging there. And I started meeting people who were going through the same thing that I was and learning so much. And then I got, like, literally within, like, a week or two, I get this private message from Erica. So, and it's like, hey, like, we need to talk on the phone. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I just joined this group. And the founder wants to talk to me, like, how did I mess up? So Erica's like, hey, you know, we need to talk. So finally I talked to her and she's like, I want to meet you. I want to get you involved in Town, And I'm coming to Boston. You live in Maine. Like, do you want to meet? I was like, great. So we met in Boston. And that's when I learned that Erica is like made of magic. She is limitless. Like anything is possible in her world. She says, you're great. We, I really like you. Like you're coming to San Diego to meet other patients at this empowered patient leader workshop. And oh, you're going to get up in front of everyone and give a talk about your journey. <laughs> and at that point, I was like, kind of tiptoeing into being an activist slash advocate, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, oh, my God, um, no. <laughs> and and so then, yes, I end up in San Diego talking to people, like meeting my people in Colontown. So that's the kind of magic that she provides. So, Erica, let me ask you, what is it about you that allows you to see this spark in others and to kind of fan the flames when they don't necessarily see that in themselves?
2: I'm a star spotter. <laughs> didn't you know that? Truth. I spot stars, it's I true. can see it and I saw some of your posts on Town, and I said to myself self, I need to reach out to him because he's going to be really good at this and that's how we have built the team actually that's the way I've built the team that supports so much of the work, the conversation, the the thinking in, in the Town, in the 120 separate th- uh, groups that are part of colontown where there's a separate conversation going in each one of those groups
0: I, I want to jump right into that it's patient to patient power so to me colontown it's really this think tank really it's it's where learning happens where patients share their experiences their knowledge it's like a cauldron of the best ideas on how to give yourself the best chance at survival and how to cope with all the crap. No pun intended. Uh, along the way, so did you understand the significance of that patient-to-patient networking when you founded Collin Town when you started this in 2010, or did that come along the way as the community grew and evolved? I
2: absolutely expected it and knew about it. My background as a star spotter, again, is that professionally, I was before I was diagnosed with cancer. I was a corporate headhunter. That's the corporate definition of a star, star spotter. I worked in two industries and, you know, what you do when you, when you do this sort of work that I do, it's about the network that you build, made up of stars, if you will. And so I was well-practiced in that, in, of having built my own networks in order to do my work. So I have networks that still remain today from the consumer packaged goods marketing world, advertising agency and PR agency work in particular. Those are my Chicago, that was my Chicago decade. And then I have another, not total decade, but I call it a decade of telecommunications. So I was involved in Denver uh, with Quest Communications in the early days of the internet and VoIP and, and you know the, the engineering marvel that was taking place with the growing access for consumers to the internet, the wonders of the internet. Uh, so long answer to your short question, uh, yes, I knew the value of a network because I had it had supported me all these years. Now what I found when I was diagnosed with colon cancer in uh, what was it 20, 2002 um, August 26 of 2002, I was diagnosed with what they called metastatic colon cancer. only they didn't tell me that or I would have really freaked out. and then they they, they operated on me, removed the tumor and my spleen because they really thought it had spread to my both my spleen and my liver. But what happened for me was that I was downstage to, to, because of surgery to stage 3C. A little too close to 4 and metastatic for my my uh, liking, but I took what I got and then got started on, on chemo. But what I found, the minute almost that I was diagnosed... Was it there was no one in my vast network or networks anywhere that coped to knowing anything about colorectal cancer, so what I recognized then was that there really wasn't a network and then after I was you know recovering from treatment and starting on the five year uh journey, which we all know um I started being asked to come to D.C. and New York to talk about my experience, and I kept asking about this network, and and I was told that, yeah, there it it was, but it, it wasn't. There
1: was no network. It sounds like from your story and the the points that you bring about when you were going through your care and your needs for, you know, a network, especially since it seems like you're an extrovert by nature, as well as Me? somebody <laughs> as well as well as as well as somebody who understands the power of people, especially with your former career. You understand the power that people can bring to advance advanced technology, advanced careers, advanced, you know, well being within communities. And it seems very very similar to how Trevor was feeling during his treatment time and what he was looking for, specifically when it came to men and the feeling that he had. So he had found a network within Colon Town, which he was very thankful for. Mm-hmm. And Trevor, you can always correct me and interrupt when no, I'm no, getting I, this wrong. No, you're but spot on. It seems like you had found a network there. and then, But on top of that, you had this little bit of a void of really finding the voice within the male community. So your community sounds like gave him this one step that he felt that you had generated and then he needed this extra layer, but that your network had shown him the power of the network, especially through these face- Facebook yeah, channels yeah. and just starting there, particularly. I've listened to you interviewed previously and you mentioned that, you know, starting in a place that is free is, is always nice. <laughs> especially when you don't have any money. Right, especially, <laughs> yeah. well, in both of you, in, in the same times that you're trying to come up with these things are also the same times that you're struggling with the payment of the care that you're receiving which puts people in large holes, you know, of financial need. And so you're trying to help this network at the same time that you're also trying to unfortunately pay for the healthcare system in which you're surviving on.
0: Yeah, no, you nailed it. I mean, she is a community building superstar and role model. And to have those role models out there to show you the way as like, the you know, people who are just getting into it is, you know, you can't put a price yeah, on that. I
2: can, you know what, you both are. What you're saying reminds me of after I had been successfully treated, and and was in playing the five year game. I I realized that I needed to become a student of this disease because this disease had really caught me unawares. Because I am not a, a person from a family with cancer. There there is no cancer in in my my family, and I'm healthy. I'm a swimmer. There was no reason in the world for me, I'm very healthy. for me to think that I would ever get cancer. And I really didn't think I ever would. So I was caught unawares when I was diagnosed, Where when I was stricken until I was diagnosed. And then after diagnosis and treatment, recognizing that there was nowhere, I remember sitting in a meeting at the American Cancer Society in Denver, where there was one other survivor And all I wanted to do, and I could feel it—it was visceral. All I wanted to do was to talk to her and find out how she survived. That's when I keyed in on. Not only was there no network, I really needed people to talk to because I needed—I needed to know everything I could possibly know to protect myself. So that came. the, The passion was born. Then for, this is a survival thing. My other network building was about making a better life, if you will, and a career, and I really enjoyed it. but this is about survival and 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 I can't emphasize that more, but yes, I was pretty well practiced in it before,
0: yeah, absolutely, and that really resonates with me so now that I have two awesome feminist uh role models on the show with me, let's talk about the guy problem so we acknowledge the guy problem and, and which is that men tend to isolate and go into their man caves when diagnosed and, and much more um, there. It's much more common for men to kind of check out where women are, are reaching out. So one of the reasons that man up to cancer is a thing is because of colon town. And there's not a lot of guys engaging with colon town. There are some, but there should be more. And so when men are not engaging in colon town and other disease specific groups, they are missing out. They are are missing out on conversations that could literally extend their lives or even save their lives. And this is not an exaggeration. Like, I've seen it. I've seen it in the groups. It happens a lot. So Colentown is roughly, what would you say? I I mean, I'm just going to make this statement and I'm going to let you talk about it. But I would say that it's about three out of four are women. So maybe like 75% women, their patients, caregivers. We hear a lot from the women caregivers in Colentown that, hey, I'm trying to help my dad or my brother or my son because I'm out here and they're. They're checked out, and, and they don't know what to do, and I'm trying to solve their problems. So this problem of male isolation is not new. It's something that has I'm assuming has always been a challenge for Town itself.
2: Maybe a tad more than a quarter is, are, are the guys. But, you know, I, I think you're asking me for an answer, and I have been thinking about this a lot. Um, first of all, poor guys. I feel so sorry for men because, because for some reason they've been raised to think that they... they didn't have feelings and shouldn't express their feelings and their fears. And, and, and I, that's just a, t- a sorry state of affairs for guys it really, really is. Right. Um, but there's a, a piece missing that I think that they're not being taught. They are taught. Now who started chambers of commerce and Kiwanis, the service organization men hmm. and what Colontown is about is more than just service for me. It's my opportunity to provide service, thus learning and and feeling better, uh, maybe gaining more strength because I'm engaged in service for others. But to me, that's something that if you can get out to the guys, it's it's not about helping you. It's not about it's not about your deal really, it's really about others. And I don't know if you heard Obama's talks yesterday, but he made a big show of simply saying to those kids that were graduating, I guess he gave two two graduation talks, basically saying, it's up to you guys to bring us back on track about serving others and taking care of people in need. Basically the social justice piece is what he delivered in very simple, elegant, wonderful terms.
1: I think your point is great talking about how men have created these organizations. I think that it is true that men are aware, but there's a difference between being aware and creating for others and engaging in themselves.
0: So Erica, I totally hear your point around others and that it is about others and helping others. And I think that's a big component, but yeah. but I'm starting out with survival, right? So my my whole point is, I think guys assume that online groups are just like uh, this frou frou support groups where people go and cry and whine about oh cancer sucks yep sucks here too like and and they don't want any part of that because they don't think it's a place for planning and action and and most men are going to be problem oriented like they have a problem they want to try to solve it so but once they get in colon town that that's what they realize what it is like it really is about problem solving and it's about action
2: it absolutely is about that and and science. Evidence-based science. Right. Right. The truth is told as we know it. In the and we're also we're also counseled by, advised by some of the best docs in our space in this CRC treatment space, whether they are radiation oncologists or or CRC oncologists, or what are some of the other specialties that was you know, I just heard the other day of an orthopedic oncologist. I mean They tend to be specialists, but we attract because of the high value in the conversations that ensue in Colon Town that, I mean, people are learning. It's like a college education in colorectal cancer that's advised by those docs that are treating it.
0: And this is the root of that problem to me is that I think a lot of guys are just willing to accept like, they go to their community oncologist. Maybe that community oncologist treats all types of cancers. They're overwhelmed by so many patients. And that oncologist gives them one plan, one recommendation. And that patient thinks, well, that's it. Like, that's my best shot. Like, I, they don't know anything else. They assume that that oncologist is going to have the same plan as someone in Seattle or Florida or Texas or Boston, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely wrong. But you don't know that starting out. And I think men in general, the ones that I know, like my friends would be more apt to listen to a doctor's opinion and be like, okay, well, that's the be all end all. In fact, I met someone on Town who said, well, I saw a doctor about my cancer and he said that, you know, I had six months to live and, you know, that I basically should get my affairs in order, you know, and that's what I'm preparing for. And we go down this conversation and come to find out it was like a family doctor who wasn't even an oncologist. Like the guy didn't even specialize in cancer. and, And he just, because he was a doctor, he took his word for it. That's a huge problem. And talk a little bit about what you've seen with that and educating people about that, So to me, the patient-to-patient patient patient place.
2: You're back to, does this work peer-to-peer? Right. And yes, absolutely, because I've seen so many stories like that where, where some person, male and female, reports a story because they trust the conversation and the pe- their peers in the conversation. So they put their story into the conversation. And our people, that, you know, the people who have been there longer know better. And one of the first things that they will do using that trust that has been engendered, they will say, get another opinion. Uh, I mean, and, and, then, and then what starts is get yourself to an academic research center. Uh, don't be like my friend Mary Lou, who died many, many years ago of colon cancer, because I remember having this conversation with Mary Lou. I had gone to kindergarten with her. And I, I got her on the phone. She was treating her disease. She was stage four. She was treating her disease like it was nothing. And she didn't want, to, want anybody to know. She didn't want to talk to anybody, but she was willing to talk to me. And uh, when I talked to her, I said, Mary Lou, I asked her what her stage was. She didn't know. Can you imagine, Trevor? She didn't know and didn't yeah. want to know. Too many people are like that. Right. That isn't allowed in colon Town. You, you will not get away with was making a statement like right. "I don't know my stage" right. and call it down, uh, because we're here to elevate and to educate, and we do that. Anyway, I said to Mary Lou, "I said, Mary Lou, where are you being treated?" She was in she was from Eastern Montana, my hometown, and um, I. God, this was in April that year, and I said, Mary Lou, you love Seattle. Why don't you go to Fred Hutch? and and get a second opinion on your treatment and and uh, just go to Seattle and just do that. And she said, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. They can take care of me in Miles City. Well, she died in October of that year. And I fault myself that I didn't push her a little harder because I was in a position to do it. I did everything I could. But again, it's tricky stuff. Peer-to-peer is tricky stuff. But what the real strong suit is... In peer-to-peer stuff, we're really talking about one person peer being surrounded by peers. Right. And so when this message comes from peers, you need to do something, there is more of an influence that gets utilized here. And so this is is a strong suit for that one as well. How to save your life.
0: (laughs) Right. How to save your life. And I don't want to give people the wrong opinion about those community oncologists because this is not a knock on them at all. Like they are busting their butts helping as many people as they can, they do not have the time or resources to stay up on every single cancer type, what's happening with the innovation and the research and the drugs coming out. Like it's, it's impossible for a local doctor to be able to do that, which is why to me, what I've learned through Colentown is the best way to digest the latest information in the field of colorectal cancer, and then how to apply that to your decision-making as a patient is to network with other patients, generally who are a lot smarter than you are. So this is great because in Cullentown, I meet all these science people. Like, I'm not a science person, but I have these amazing science people who are also patients curating this information for me and telling me like, hey, Trevor, check this out. And what's going on here? This is information that that I do not get anywhere else. So that's why I get so... (laughs) Sorry, Kellen knows that I get fired up about things. But this is one of my... This is... Absolutely one of my missions and passions is to let people know the power of patient to patient. And Erica is, you know, you exemplify of what, what that can do. Any thoughts on why COLINTON does it so well?
2: Well, I like to say that we generate magic inside Colontown. You know that.
1: Well, if, if you're a star finder and you also know how to apply magic, that seems like the two pieces that, you know, kind of, are uh, yeah. Historically, the patient
2: has been not seated at the table, the decision-making table about the disease. Out of an abundance of concern that the patient doesn't, you know, this is tough, right? So we doctors over here and researchers need to figure out what's the best treatment and they they can't possibly understand. That's the old fashioned way. Mm. That was going on and that's still kind of taught in the med schools, um, although I hope it isn't because Basically, what we are is the tippy beginning of the patient movement. We demand a seat at the decision table, and we come armed with the science. And it's been—I've heard too many stories where our patients go into the clinic to their oncologists, first-class <laughs> oncologists, not the community <laughs> oncologists—and they have a ream of clinical trials that they want to discuss with the oncologist. The oncologist turns around and says, you know more about all of this than I do. And I've had one of those docs actually tell other patients and many other docs that our patients, our Town people coming in the door are better prepared than even they are. Now that says a lot right there. Right. The peer-to-peer education and support cannot be replicated. And that happens in Colentown, but. Also, the I was going to talk about the magic. There's magic in the confidence that people feel. You know, remember, I, back to my story, no one in my vast networks knew anything about colon, colorectal cancer, colon cancer or rectal cancer or colorectal. And there was stigma, and I could feel the stigma. People asked me, oh, you have cancer. They wouldn't say the word colon. Right. They certainly wouldn't say colorectal. And they just assumed I had breast cancer. You know, nobody wanted to talk about this so so I realized that what I needed to do was to break down the stigma. So what think about our name and our names. You know, the the name for the neighborhood in, for rectal cancer which is totally stigmatized out there is Rectalburg. And so I spin that one out to people and, and then I say they love us in Pittsburgh. And they do, actually. Everybody smiles when they hear that name. We also incorporate into our community anal cancer, which, by the way, is not colorectal cancer, it's a different disease. But the name of the neighborhood for anal cancer, because they're very orphaned, but obviously geographically they belong with us on our map, is anal-wise. Well, you can see, you know, so we've got, these roll off my tongue, the, the word for colon cancer, or the name for the neighborhood group for colon cancer, the one I belong to, is the poop shoot group. <laughs> so we're making fun by being, pushing right. the envelope. That creates magic. And when you see our colon townies coming together in our workshops and now on Zoom and whenever we could get together, you know, these words roll off our tongues. It is really quite hysterical and does create magic. There is another thing at work here and that is the life that is led on Town, And it is led online. The friendships that are made, people over and over again are posting that not only are they alive today because of their membership in Town, but also because they have such a sense of family. We come together on that one cause and it bonds like you can't
1: believe. I do find that one of the, you know, very popular commentaries in the media about um, social networking platforms and things like that is to kind of talk about their addictive quality, their negative basis when it comes to raising children and things like that. But there are obviously some major benefits to this technology and how it can enforce a community that is international and also aligned, like a mission aligned group of people that feel supported and um, able to talk about and engage with the people that are going through similar things is is life changing. And so, you know, it is one of those positive benefits to these platforms, uh, especially, you know, things like Facebook, where you can create these groups and, you know, create like you man up to cancer, the Howling Place is a private group. So Trevor and the moderators can really have control over, yeah, privacy and control over making people feel supported in a safe way, as safe as possible.
0: Perfectly said. And so Erica, you're always evolving as a patient activist and leader. You have several irons in the fire at all times. Talk to us a little bit about what is really firing you up right now.
2: First of all, I'm excited about the idea of mentoring and developing more communities that are based on the model of Town. That's one of the principal reasons that we started PalTown, not only to have a 501C to, to undergird the continuing development of the Town community but also to make ourselves available to help other patient innovators create their own communities whether based on disease specificity which is what colon town has been or pan cancer what's happening in cancer treatment today is that we are moving away from treating just the organ and we're moving to learning all about the biomarkers in the tumor and treating biomarkers or as targets for treatment, which means that some biomarkers such as KRAS, I, you know, I'm not a scientist, I'm a French major. I've been in <laughs> in business my whole life. So I, if pardon me if I get a little too strung out and not say the right scientific thing, but biomarkers, I do know because they are targets for treatment. And this is all that I care about is that we have treatments for my cancer this is the definition of personalized medicine which is where we're going that's what's going to bring this into being for everybody so that being the case there's that a that's an issue that's happening that i'm Mm. very familiarized with and so where my thinking is moving is in terms of this pan cancer approach where we want to build a network of patient innovators what does that mean I call myself, as you well know, Trevor, the outspoken patient innovator. I'm an innovator in bringing community to the specifically colorectal cancer treatment world. And people thought they knew what community was. I, as the innovator, knew that they really weren't quite doing what I thought should be done. And therefore, if not me, who? So I did it. And so I'm taking this concept to... The target is the patient innovator, and we're gonna build a network around that concept. And it's not fully developed in terms of what services will be offered to that network. But to me, it looks like it could be an incubator or accelerator for those that are further behind the learning spectrum, if you will, having come in more recently, so they may not be where you are on this knowing the science and being able to utilize the science. What I'm starting to see is we have a cast of characters who have created innovations in cancer care. You're one because what you have done here with Man Up to Cancer is you've employed and you are employing all the techniques that I used actually Mm -hmm. for Colon You used the blue Mm -hmm. ocean strategy. You knew that there were no groups for men with cancer. If there were, you weren't hearing about them and you didn't know where they were. So if, right. if not you, who? You did that. And you have these ideas of something you want to do that's based on your experience as a patient. Some gap in the in the offerings out there that you want to address and you're willing to go for it.
0: No, I love where you're headed with it. And I, and I think it's going to be exciting to see what you roll out with as this develops. Because if there's anyone who's listening to this and doubting Erica... Yeah, just sit back and watch, people. It's going to be amazing. So we do have to wrap up for today. I want to thank Kellen. I want to thank you, Erica. It's been a pleasure. I could talk to you. You know, we could go. We can and we do go on. So we'll catch up later. But I do want to end with a call to action, which is this. For the guys out there, if you're listening to this, um, if you're not colorectal cancer, find online groups specific to your disease that go beyond the surface, wherever those are. And if you are facing colorectal cancer, join Colon get into Colintown. get into the downtown neighborhood. You're going to be greeted by plenty of people who will tell you what to do and where to go and tag me and tag Erica once you're in there and we'll say hello. Sure
2: thing. Sure thing. Thank you so right. much, Trevor and Kellen.
1: Yeah, it was Thank lovely you. meeting you. Oh, I'm honored.
0: Thanks, Erica. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and subscribe to the podcast if you like where I'm headed with this, and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open.